Well, my name is Will Galkin. I'm one of the pastors, and um, uh, just want to put a little uh, stamp on um, what's going on and some things that Aaron Marshall is going to be sharing. And um, I think that you guys know that uh, here at the church, uh, we just want to really love, help, and uh, just do um, the, the two greatest commandments, love God, love others. And um, we just want to make disciples for God's glory. And uh, if you're here and um, you're not yet a, a Christian but would love to talk about that, we'd love to take the time. If you're here and um, you come from another faith tradition, uh, we're doing our best to represent um, those worldviews correctly. If there's something you want to talk about later, we sure can. But I also want to say this. Uh, Aaron Marshall and his wife and children have just been a phenomenal blessing to our church in so many ways. And there's something that's sad for us, but really good for the kingdom. And, and the Lord just opened up a door to um, allow the marshals to move down to Utah County. And they've been burdened about Utah County since they've been in Utah. And uh, the Lord's uh, really working their, their life to uh, partner with the church down in that area to maybe even see another church get started in the future. And um, I, I just want to say as one of the pastors that... Um, we are a church that wants to be very strategic about multiplication. We want to be, have eternally minded stewardship. That's one of our core values. And what that means is we don't hoard, we actually send. And we don't, um, there's no copyright on the gospel. We're not trying to keep and hoard everyone to ourselves. We want people to grow and grow until they're sent. And so as the marshals really are praying about ministering down in uh, Utah County, we don't have a lot of folks from Gospel Grace that come from Utah County, but it could be that you it's on your heart as well, and you'd want to move to Utah County, or you'd want to investigate how you could help what the Lord has laid on the marshal's hearts. Um, to, to, you want to help participate in that. And so he's going to invite you to connect or go to lunch or get a free book or whatever. Or all the above. And, um, but, but take him up on that. If, if it's on your heart to consider moving to Utah County, to help more churches get started in probably one of the least evangelized parts of Utah, then, then just know that you've got, our, you've got our, our desire that that would happen as well. Love you, bro. Yeah, thank you. So I had two conversations this past week that I wanted to uh, share as we, as we start uh, today. Uh, there's a, a student down at Utah Valley University um, that I've been meeting with semi-regularly for the past couple of weeks. And we, when we were at, on college campuses, we do this at the U, we do this at UVU. We'll set up a table, I'll have a whiteboard, it'll have some kind of question, does God exist or did Jesus rise from the dead? It's just a way to start conversations. And so I met this student who's a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I met him a couple of weeks ago. And at first, he was a little um, weary of me, right? A little skeptical. And, but we've built a relationship and we've started uh, having deeper and deeper conversations to the point now where he actually agrees that we do not share the same gospel, that the, the, the biblical gospel is different than the gospel that's taught with the, by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, he's not willing. So what he wants to do now, and starting this week, we're going to do this. He said, well, give me some verses, give me some places in the Bible where I can go to understand the biblical gospel, and then I can compare that with what I believe. Now, that's amazing. And so I'm, we get, we're going to, so I've challenged him to read. He's going to read Romans 1 through 8. He's going to read the book of Galatians. He's going to read Philippians 3. He's going to read Titus. We're going to ha have these conversations. And we were tabling this past week. Um, I met this other kid. 
who has walked away from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, statistically, most people, when they leave, upwards of 70 to 80% of those that leave the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints will go atheist agnostic. So they've decided that the teachings of Joseph Smith aren't true, but they've said, therefore, the teachings of Jesus aren't true. And my whole question always is, just because you've decided the teachings of Joseph aren't true, don't, that doesn't mean the teachings of Jesus aren't true, right? You have to evaluate the teachings of Jesus on, on their own terms. And so I got a chance to share with him. He came up, he was very interested, we talked. I shared with him the biblical gospel. He'd never heard that before. Most of the uh, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that I talked to have never heard the true biblical gospel, never. We were, uh, we'll talk about this you know, in the early, later today, we were evangelizing down in Rocky Ridge uh, back in March, which is one of the, the uh, fundamentalist groups, polygamist groups, uh, just south of uh, Santa Quin. And we met a lady there uh, who said, I just always thought we believed the same thing. Do you know why she always thought that? Because she never heard anything different. She never had interaction with somebody who challenged her that you believe something different. And so we got a chance to share the biblical gospel with her. It was amazing. And this guy I was sharing with yesterday, or on Thursday, I shared the gospel with him. He had some, some questions. We answered those questions. And then I invited him to that church that we're going to end up going to down in Provo. And we're praying that right now he's hearing the biblical gospel. And this is what we get a chance to do when we, when we get up to bat. So, we, you know, we talked about this last week. The way we love our LDS neighbor is by having these conversations. And so we are com- committed to Utah County. That's our family. And that's Utah Valley University. And, and we want to start a Christian study center. We want to start, we want to have, have ministry at UVU. We want to have ministry at BYU. 70,000 college students between those two campuses. But we want that to be undergirded or we want, we want that to be under the umbrella of the local church because we believe the local church is the hope of the world. That's what God is calling us to. And so that's why... You know, Will said, if maybe some of you would be interested in supporting us in that, maybe financially, prayerfully, uh, maybe some of you would be interested in moving down there with us, and um, I'm going to give you a chance at the end, uh, I'd love to meet with you throughout the week and, you know, buy a cup of coffee or, or lunch and just share with you the vision we have, and maybe that's something that you want to consider supporting financially or maybe even moving down there with us, and our whole thing with Rosh Christie is we believe that Jesus is the answer. I, I showed you last week, this, I stole this from John Cop, but John, you stole it from somebody else, so we're even, right? That's right, yeah. So, we, but this is a, pl- uh, we, we believe it's a place for people to come and ask questions. But we don't just ask questions. Skept- it's easy, to, and this is what's happening in college now, it's easy to sit in skepticism. But seek good answers, and we believe those answers are found in the biblical Jesus, and so we want to share that with people, right? I, I met a guy, we had Frank Turk down at UVU this past week, you know, 300 people in Utah County heard the biblical gospel he came up to me afterwards and he said, I've been a member of the Church of Jesus Christ my whole life. In my whole life, I've been taught that everything that you believe is illogical and basically silly. And yet here I sat for three hours and heard a logical presentation of the truth claims of Christianity. And he said, I've always been taught that you, you know, you have, your, your view of the Trinity is illogical. So we sat for 10 minutes and I gave him just, you know, just from any systematic theology textbook that you can get and gave him just a biblical understanding of the Trinity. And he said, see, there you go. Like, you just you just kind of undid 30 years of my life teaching. There wasn't anything special about me. It was just getting some good answers. And now he wants to meet regularly. If you'll pray for him, hopefully we're going to start meeting regularly. Just, he said, I just want to, I don't know an evangelical. I don't know anybody who I've had where I can have these conversations. And we get to do that just by getting up to bat. So last week, uh, and at the end, I'll also, I know that I talk super fast, and people are like, you're not from the South, you talk way too fast, but uh, I got way too much, 30 minutes is uh, not enough to get through all this information, but these were some of the resources we mentioned last week. Uh, the president of our ministry actually grew up here in Utah, Corey Miller. He's written this book, 
are also uh, leaving Mormonism. Um, and this is, I'll, again, I will give anybody this resource. I'll give you copies of this if you would just let me sit down and have a cup of coffee with you and share our vision for Utah County uh, and what God has for our ministry. I'll give you a copy of this book. It's a great resource. And then the book in the middle I'm going to mention at the end, because this is a great resource, and we have lots of these within Rosho Christie to help you get equipped so that you can have these conversations. And so last week, we really just talked about the main, thing, the main idea being that um, Christianity is making objective truth claims about reality. If Christianity is true, anything that contradicts it can't also be true. So you can have sincere beliefs, but you can also be sincerely wrong. You can believe things, but you can believe things that are false. We talked about within religions, all religions are teaching, teaching contradictory things, so they can't all be true. And the challenge for us is that most evangelicals treat Christianity like we're talking about subjective truth, right? My, my daughter is listening to, you know, interesting things now. And so there's, there's some guy on YouTube that goes around saying, for me, I like corn. Is that, is that how it goes? Is that right? Okay. That's how you treat Christianity. For me, I like Christianity. For you, you might like Hinduism or Buddhism or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But if Christianity is true then it's true for all people at all times, all claims, all, all places. It's not a subjective truth. We're making objective tr truth claims about reality. But all religions are doing that. And the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, remember we, we, we talked about Mormonism is just the broad understanding of anybody that believes in the restoration through Joseph Smith, but one of those branches, there's actually about 200 different sects within that. One of those branches, the main branch, is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and that's probably mostly who you will have conversations with. They just have a different view of the nature of God, different Jesus, different view of the Bible, a different gospel. They're teaching different things. And if you love the biblical gospel, that should break your heart and should make you want to share the truth with them. And so the resources we're going to look at, here's just a couple more resources today. This book is really good. It's a little short, um, The Ambassador's Guide to Mormonism. We first moved out here to Utah. My wife, who luckily is not an apologetics nerd and doesn't get into all this stuff, she read this resource, and it was really helpful for her to kind of understand some of the differences. Uh, and then this book we'll look at today, I Once Was Lost, which is not, for, uh, not in this conversation, but it's mostly just for people who uh, have, lot, have had lots of conversations with postmoderns, mostly atheists, that have come to Christ and it's been very helpful. They were parts of InterVarsity. And then the reason why I think this is helpful, this is actually, if you're, use, if you're talking to members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you want to use their official material. So this is a book called Gospel Principles. Um, you can go down to Deseret Bookstores and get it. And anything that's official will have this stamp on the back of it, right, that says the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So this means it's official, what they call correlated material. So for instance, that chart that I shared with you last week on the, the, what it takes for exaltation, that comes straight from a chapter in this book. So those are resources that I would recommend for you to look at as you're thinking about having these conversations. All right, so let's start with this, which is a weird question. What would it take for you to believe that your mom is a Cuban spy? Why would I? That's a weird question, right? All right, so uh, has anybody ever read any Malcolm Gladwell, you know, the 10,000 hours? Yeah, so you know, a lot of his stuff is interesting, some of his stuff's not so much. Uh, but he wrote this book called Talking to Strangers, and one of the chapters in the book talks about um, high up within um, American government, within even um, the intelligence agencies, they came to, this was like in the 90s, they came to understand that there was a Cuban spy in their midst. And they actually had the name, they, they thought it was this one person, it was a lady. 
And so there's a guy who's a counterintelligence officer, and his job, and he's trained to do this. This is what he's been trained his whole life, one of the best in the world. His job was to have a conversation with her to determine if she was a Cuban spy. So he sat down with her, and he had a conversation, and he walked away, and he said, she's not. And guess what? About 15 years later, they found out she was. And so he goes back, and he's like, well... I mean, it's got to be pretty hard, right? I mean, this is your job, and you failed miserably at that, right? And so he goes back, and he start, And I think, if I remember correctly, he actually, they, they videotaped it. So he went back, and he starts watching that interaction now with the knowledge that he has, knowing that she is, and guess what? All the red flags are popping out. I mean, with the knowledge he has now, he watches it, and he says, she's giving him all the information that she's a Cuban spy, and he just missed it. Why? Because we default to truth. We default to the idea that what we've been taught is true. We default to the idea that people aren't lying to us. Now, what's the application? When you are talking with somebody who's a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and again, if someone's here from, from there today, thank you for coming. And this is a conversation. This is certainly not a monologue. But when you're talking to somebody who's a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or maybe one of the other you know, 200 different sects, you're talking to somebody that their entire life they've been told something is true, and you're coming to them, and you're giving them some information, and you're telling them that what they've been taught their whole life is not true. Do you think they're just going to believe it in one conversation? Are they just going, well, I guess, you know, if if I came to you and I said, your mom's a Cuban spy right now, do you believe me? (laughs) You're not objective, you know. No. What, what, if I, what if I gave you some evidence? You're like, well, I guess my mom's a Cuban spy. And you're going to call your dad, hey, we got bad news. Mom's a Cuban spy. Call the police. You're not going to be objective. You're going to be defensive. Do you think, do you think my, the manner from which I have this interaction with you matters? If I come at you and I'm just yelling at you, or I have a sign that says your mom's a Cuban spy, and I knock on your door, and I just hold it up, and I yell at you. Do you think that, I can just dismiss this guy. This guy's an idiot, right? So how we have that conversation, do you think it's going to happen in one conversation? Now, obviously, the application is clear. We're asking people to give up all of their longest held beliefs, the things that they've thought their entire life are true. And we, th- and we get frustrated because people don't just believe us in one conversation. Would you walk away from Christianity because somebody came up to you and said it's not true? So we have to understand this as we're having the conversation. So what we want to talk about today is helping give you kind of a rubric for how to have these conversations, and then what we'll do the next couple of weeks is kind of help you within each of those categories. Now, this is the book that I was telling you about. I once was lost. Um, and the reason why this book is helpful is because it was uh, some guys from InterVarsity who have done college ministry for years, and they looked at these five thresholds of people who've gone from atheism to Christianity, and they were, they were distinct levels that they had to go through in order to make that trans- transition. The first one was, notice this, they met a Christian they could trust. I met a guy yet last week, I was telling you about, right, at the Frank Turk thing, who had never met an evangelical, much less an evangelical he could trust. Well, of course it's no wonder that he, he doesn't believe the truth claims of Christianity. He's never heard them. So that means, for, for some of us, that means getting out of our Christian bubble. Meeting people that don't believe the same things you do. And that's scary, I know that. But, that's, but, we, but they have to, you know, along those lines. Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but for instance, Alex, I know Alex is here. Uh, he and I, he's one of our students at Rosh Christie at the U. Him and I are meeting with a student right now who has been coming to our meetings, and, and, and I think he's at level four. He's meandering. 
And, what, and Alex and I actually had a meeting on Friday. We, we challenged him to be intentional about seeking Jesus. He's kind of been floating in just kind of the ethos for a while, and he's doing, you know, he's doing Christian things with us. But we, asked, we challenged him to be intentional in that. You notice also that level three is the hardest. How many of you are really open to change in your life? Now, we say we are, but honestly, are you really open to change and to change your worldview? I met a guy who is a prominent um, Christian. He said he has not changed his theology since he was 19. He's like 67 right now or something like that. Now, maybe he had perfect theology when he was 19, maybe. But I don't know many people that have had perfect theology. I know I don't. Now, obviously, I don't know what I'm believing that's false or I'd stop believing it. But we have to have people that will challenge us so that we can, we can learn and we can grow. But I have to be willing to change. And so that's really important. So maybe the question for you is, no, where is that? Some, everyone of you right now have someone in your mind, hopefully, that's not a Christian that you have a relationship with. Where are they on this path and how can I help them move to the next step? What conversations would be appropriate for somebody to move them to the next step? You're not gonna go from one to five. Now, obviously, the Holy Spirit can do whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do. If he wants to take you from one to five, awesome. Seems like he did that with Paul. That's probably not gonna happen. So you're, how, do I help some, how do I help somebody go from the, to the next step? That's what we're looking at. Now, this is probably the most important slide I can show you. Now, the, well, the slide itself but, you know, is not that important, but the information inside of it. This was, um, so what a, a pastor down in Utah County, a pastor in Provo, he took the teachings from this book, What's Us Lost, and he, he, he um, contextualized it with, the church of Je- with members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Or, or with, again, or with the fundamentalist group. So again, when I use the term Mormon, I'm, I'm, that's everybody from the Restoration, and if you're here and you're a member of the church, I'm not meaning that derogatory, right? But when I talk to those, we go and we have conversations with members of the AUB, for instance, they want to be called Mormons. So that's part of a distinction that's just more recent because of the, the current teachings of uh, Russell Nelson. So think, all right, so think about this. Maybe you, are, you know somebody who's LDS. Maybe you are just thinking about these conversations. Here are the stages. Stage one, I'm a Mormon, you're an evangelical. Now, you'll notice the change in terminology as we go through the six stages. I'm a Mormon, you're an evangelical. What you have is false, and I have the full and true gospel. This is probably most of the missionaries that you would talk to. What kind of questions and conversations would be appropriate for a level one person? Level two, I'm a Mormon slash Christian and you're an evangelical Christian. Notice the change in terminology. We essentially believe the same thing and we can learn from another. Now, Will's in the back, right? This is very different from how Will grew up in the, you know, when did you grow up? Like the 30s, the, no, the 70s, right? Like, right? This is very different, right? Because it was very much level one. Now, most people that I talk to at BYU... Well, let me say why. Many people that I talk to, and it's becoming more and more, are level twos. Call them kumbaya. Basically, we're saying the same thing. We had a speaker that we brought in. We do these mission trips. We bring students across the country here to do evangelism. We go door knocking in Provo, kind of a reverse mission. And, um, and so we brought some speakers in, and we brought a guy who was a level two. And that, but that's kind of becoming dominant now, level three. I'm a Mormon slash Christian, and you're an evangelical slash Christian. Again, same terminology as level two. I like learning from the Bible, and you teach and know the Bible. I want to learn from you. So there's a guy now that just says, he, he's wanting to do it down in, um, at UVU who just wants to do a Bible study with us because he likes the Bible, and we teach the Bible, and he wants to learn. Level four, notice now the change. I'm a Mormon, and you're a Christian. I recognize 
that we don't believe the same thing about everything that's essential, and I want to learn more. And then level five, I'm a Mormon and you're a Christian. I recognize the differences between the two faiths, and I'm counting the cost. If you're a student at BYU who goes into your education as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and you walk away from the faith when you're in college, they'll kick you out. There's a student that we know in Provo right now that is counting the cost of admitting that they're no longer a Latter-day Saint because they know that if they give it up, they'll be kicked out of school. That's real. Their, their parents, now this is less happening now. 20, 30 years ago, your parents would disown you. Everyone would disown you. I met a guy who told me, his mom told him he would rather, she would rather him be an atheist than a Christian. So don't, you're counting the cost. And then level six, I'm a Christian. I'm saved by Jesus' performance on the cross and not my, my performance. It has cost me everything, but I have a new family of faith now, right? That's our prayer, that's the goal. So the question is, what questions would be appropriate for a person at each stage? What questions would not be appropriate for a person at each stage? When we first moved here, because you know I'm an apologetics nerd, I wanted to have level four conversations with level one people. How do you think that went? Not well. And then what I, oh, I'm, I'm so frustrated. I never can have good conversations with people. It's their fault. They don't want to be objective. Go back to what we said earlier. No, that was just my fault. I wasn't reading, I wasn't listening to who they were telling me they were, and then I was trying to force my ideas on them. So you have to, now think of, this is for all conversations with all unbelievers. I mean, this is, has huge application for, you know, with the, with the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but it has applications with all believers. So what I'm trying to do is figure out when I meet somebody, I'm listening. Francis Schaeffer said, when I have a one-hour conversation with somebody, I ask questions and listen for 50 minutes. And then I do 10 minutes of talking. I always reverse that. I'm, I talk a lot. You, you know, but we do that, right? We just, we want to we give them our information. So I'm listening and I, I can listen and they can tell me where they are and then I can help them try to figure out what would be helpful to move them to the next stage. So let's just look at those stages real quick and think about what would be an appropriate conversation for each person. So a level one. I'm a Mormon, you're an evangelical, Right? What you have is false, and I have the full and true gospel. For them, it goes back to what we talked about last week. It's the nature of truth. Could you be wrong? I'll ask this. In fact, I was on a whiteboard at UVU. Could you be wrong in your religious convictions? I'm at, could you be wrong? Is it possible that Christianity is not true? Paul seemed to think so. He seemed to think it hinged on the resurrection of Jesus. If the resurrection of Jesus didn't happen, right? Lucas is going to preach about this. He might get to that. I know he talked about it back at Easter. But he's going to, you know, well, that's 1 Corinthians 15. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, where are all people most pitied? So I'll ask people, this is a great question you can ask anybody. If I could, I'm not saying I could, but if I could answer all of your questions about Christianity such that you became convinced that it was true, would you become a Christian? You'll be amazed how many people say, of course not. That's fine. Do you think that person wants more evidence? I'm like, well, you need to know the Kalam cosmological argument. No, they need a hug, right? Those are my friends. Those are the people that I just need to love on. Those are the people I need to have pizza with to just build a relationship. They've told me the evidence doesn't matter. And then I'll ask, you can ask this. If, by whatever standard you require, you became convinced that the, the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints were not true, would you walk away? I remember I asked that to somebody one time, and I, a little bit different. I said, if you became convinced that Joseph Smith was not a true prophet, would you walk away? And he just stared at me for 30, 30 seconds. He goes, what do you mean? And I was like, what do you mean, what do I mean? And then we were like, what do you mean? No. <laughs> and it was, I mean, it was like he had never thought about that his entire life. 
But I promise you there's someone here in this room who've never thought about the fact that you could be wrong because we're making objective claims about reality that are either true or false, which means we could be wrong. And the evidence, we need, so the evidence points to the fact that we're true, about what we believe is true, but if what we believe is true, that means, like we said earlier, that whatever contradicts it is false. But most people are not thinking that way. They're thinking subjectively. We talked about this last week. This is the LDS view of epistemology. Brett Kunkel says it this way, in Mormon epistemology, good reasons are replaced with feelings in the form of a personal testimony. How do they know their scripture, prophet, and everything are true? Because of their testimony. They've gone inward. That's not... Now, I would challenge you that many evangelicals, this is how we know it's true. We've had a personal, subjective experience. The problem is, I skipped a slide. The problem is, I would argue to you that's not a biblical way of knowing. Do you pray about whether Joe Biden is the president right now? You know, I think I need a political discussion. Maybe somebody pray that he isn't. Maybe somebody pray that he is, whatever. But do you pray about that he is the president? Do you pray about whether or not Abraham Lincoln was the 16th president? What if you, I prayed about it, I'm getting a... Con- he wasn't. Does that confirm that he wasn't? No, I just have indigestion or you know, something. Right? It just means that I, that I don't go inward to try to figure it out. That's a knowledge claim. Now, I would challenge you, and I say, again, I say this lovingly, I would challenge you that, that um, Joseph Smith confused knowledge and wisdom in, in trying to understand James 1.5. We could talk about that more if you're interested. But a biblical understanding is that we, who has lied to you more than anyone in your entire life? You're, you. Have your feelings ever lied to you? Yeah, because your heart is desperately wicked. It's deceitful among all things. Who can trust it? The other problem is we've got, I, I showed this video to our students. So I have an Christi, uh, evangelical Christian, a Mormon, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and a Muslim, and they all believe what they believe because of a subjective personal experience. Now, all of them can't be right because they believe contradictory things. So I'm not denigrating personal experience, so please hear me on that. But what we're saying is your personal experience has to be tethered to reality. And this is where we would go to evidence. So just trying to, so with a level one person, I'm just trying to, we, we call putting a stone in their shoe metaphorically. I'm just trying to make them think about that. Level two, I'm a Mormon slash Christian. Again, change of terminology. You're an evangelical slash Christian. We essentially believe the same thing and we can learn from each other. The question is, do we really believe the same thing? Now we hinted on this last week and I kind of walked through it, I know, fast. But we're going to walk through that the next couple weeks. We'll kind of help you flesh that out. The question is, do we really believe the same thing? And this is where we can actually go to the official teachings. This is why this is helpful. The official teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And you can show them we don't believe the same thing. And literally everything that matters, we teach different things. Now, again, that doesn't make what we believe true. It just means we don't essentially teach the same thing. What about level three? I'm a Mormon slash Christian, you're an evangelical slash Christian. I like learning the Bible and you teach the Bible and I wanna learn from you, great, let's do a Bible study. This is what I'm doing with my friend tomorrow, starting next week. We're gonna do a Bible study on what, on what the Bible says about the way that I obtain eternal life. Do I obtain eternal life by resting my soul on Jesus or by doing all of the ordinances in, the, in that uh, graph that I showed you last week? What does the Bible say? Now, you might, they might say, well, I don't trust the Bible. That's fine. That's our next conversation. Can we trust the Bible? But if they're just wanting to do a book study, this is why I think the book of Galatians is great because the book of Galatians all, is all about how it's never about external religion. It's always about an internal heart change. It's like I was, when I was moving out here, I kept saying, what are some books I should read? And all the apologetics books, and then some, a pastor said, just read Galatians over and over and over. That's the book that will help you out here the best. So I recommend... Um, 
Galatians for You by Tim Keller. We, we, have, we go through our students, all of our students make them go through that book. And we'll actually talk about that in two weeks. Fourth, these, this is where the apologetics nerds, right? This is where you thrive, right? This is, right? These are the people that are basically saying, I recognize we disagree, I need evidence. And we're like, great, here, bleh, right? And we just vomit all over the discussion, right? This is where we can challenge it. Now, we're not just trying to persuade them that what they believe is false. If all you do is persuade someone who's a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that what they believe is false, you've just rearranged a deck chair on the Titanic. Because they are still most likely going to go atheist agnostic, and they're still lost. So we have to give them positive reasons why Christianity is true. This is where Rosho Christie can come in. We've got about 30 different, 25 or 30 different ebooks that are available for free download. So that What If Christianity is True booklet, I give that to as many people as I can. You know, I, I give them the free download, and I just want to go through it. Just basic apologetics. But if you've got questions on, does God exist? Did Jesus rise from the dead? Can I trust the Bible? Uh, what about the problem of evil? We've got an ebook on that topic. Now, there's better resources out there if that's what you want, but this is just an easy, free way to get some of this information. And what about the person who's a level five? We just, Jesus is worth it, right? And this is, they don't need more evidence. They're debate, they're deciding if it's worth it to lose everything. There's a guy um, that... Uh, ben, Ben Nicer is the pastor down in Provo at Mosaic Church. He's the one that, that helped me the most with this levels one through six. There was a guy that they had been working with, praying through Bible study, a um, member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and they were convinced that he'd actually come to saving faith, biblical faith, and they were actually getting ready to plan his baptism, and then he just ghosted them. And now he's, he won't return their phone calls, and he's posting now online about the restored gospel, and he's, he counted the costs, and he didn't think it was worth it. And that's heartbreaking to us, right? But this, at this point, we just want to show, and this is where, as Christians, this is the, my challenge to us, 1,000% to me. Are we an Acts 2 community? Because I do think the LDS, they do community better than we do. Now, you could talk about why, you know, are they doing it for different reasons, but one of the things that happens, there's a friend of ours that she left a polygamous group, she got saved, she's genuinely the Lord's, and she got super depressed because she, she lost the community that she had before. And this is why, I mean, we love gospel grace because we're, now we're doing, it, we're not doing it perfectly, but we're trying to do community together. We're, we're so individualistic and people are, they come from that and we're like, well, just get saved. Now, good luck. No, we have to love on them. We have to, we have to welcome them into our house. Are you willing to let someone live with you because they've been kicked out of their house? And so we all, I always use this rubric. This is the, the for our church, for every, you know, our ministry down in Utah County, it's, it's, it's got to be these four, this is from um, Francis Schaeffer, it's got to be sound doctrine, and it's got to be honest answers to honest questions, and we think that, you know, many people fall off the horse, and they just, I don't care about knowledge, but it's got to be more than that. It's got to be a live love affair with Jesus, and it's got to be the beauty of human relationships, and that's what we're trying to do down in Utah County. So if you're interested, and you'd like to learn more, so if you want the slides, I know some of you said, you know, I went way too fast, you want the slides. If you click on, if you just pull out your phone, and you look at this QR code right now, it'll pull up a link, and it'll tell you if you want more information about what we're doing, if you're a student, you want more information about what we're doing on the campus, 
Or if you would just, if you want the slides, but if you would just let me share with you, again, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, I'll buy you a cup of coffee, I'll buy you lunch, I'll give you books, you know, I'll do whatever. But I just want to share with you the vision we have for ministry down in Utah County. And maybe some of you would want to move down there with us. We want to, you know, plant a church. Maybe some of you want to support us financially. You know, we're missionaries. The, the 1040 window is one county south to us. So we don't, I mean, that's where we're headed. And that's where we live now. And then let me ask you this. This is the final thing. I'm going to give you homework. I want you to like, I didn't want to do homework. It's Sunday. My challenge to you to this week is just to get up to bat. And we're going to talk about next week. We're going to talk about a little bit more about how these conversations. Just get up to bat. Have a conversation, a spiritual conversation. Don't just talk about baseball with someone with a different religion and be like, I had a, spirit, I had a conversation with somebody with a different worldview. That's fine. But have a spiritual conversation with somebody who disagrees with you about spiritual things. Listen, just where do you think this person is? Pray for them, right? Ask them some questions. Your goal is that you want to get them to want to have a follow-up conversation with you. This is the last thing, I know we gotta go, but the, the average person who walks away from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, it takes about seven years for them to leave if, this, if they're gonna come to biblical Christianity, seven years. So let's just think that's maybe 100 conversations, maybe it's more. Maybe you're the fifth conversation out of a hundred. Now, that fifth conversation, you're not, you're not walking them across the finish line, but if you're going to be a fifth conversation, be the best fifth conversation you can be, right? Make them say, that was interesting. I would want to have more conversations. And maybe when you walk away going, nothing really happened for that, and then five years from now, they become saved, and the, and the Lord brings them home to salvation, and you think, uh, I never, I'll never know that my, my fifth conversation was part of their testimony as to why they came to Jesus when their shelf broke and they came to biblical Christianity. So that's my prayer for us. So get up to bat and we'll talk about next week about some ways we can do that better. So let me pray for us. Father, we are so grateful for the true gospel. We're grateful for the fact that even when we get up to bat in conversations, it's not the eloquence of our arguments or our great words that's going to do anything, Lord. We trust you, but we, but we know, Lord, that how will they know if they haven't heard and how will they hear if someone doesn't go and tell? And so I just pray that we would be so in love with the true gospel that we just couldn't help but share the truth with people who are literally dying from a, living in a false gospel. Whether that's secularism or whether that's another religion, Lord, I just pray that you would give us the courage to get up to bat because we love you, not because it depends on us, not because you need us, because you've invited us into this incredible journey, Lord, and what an opportunity that is. And I pray, Lord, that that would just make us love the true gospel even more, and we have the courage to get up to bat, and we come back next week and think about those conversations and figure out how to do it even better, Lord. We love you. We thank you for gospel grace and the, just the way in which we love each other here, Lord. And uh, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.